0: We are honoring Phil the Thrill Sellers, Rutgers men's basketball legend, who sadly passed away today at the age of 69 years old. Joining us now to talk more about Phil is Arnie Kaplan, a WRSU sports alum who called the 76 Final Four team. He'll talk with us about some of his best moments covering Phil the Thrill Sellers. Arnie, thanks so much for being with us tonight.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure.
0: So, Arnie, um, we're all here with WRSU. You're an an alum, of course, with this great radio station. Take me through some of your best moments covering Phil Sellers.
1: Well, obviously, the 75-76 season was the highlight. I overlapped Phil by two years. I was at Rutgers for his junior and senior year. The highlight of his junior year was he led us to the first ever Rutgers NCAA tourney bid, Uh, At that time, there was a tournament in New York. They took the top four teams from the metro area. It was called the ECAC Tournament. And at that time, for that year at least, which was 74-75, if we did not win that tournament, we would go to the NIT. You had to win that tournament. There was no at-large bids per se. There were a few, but not many. And uh, we beat St. John's by, I think, two points. I think it was 79-77 at the Garden in the uh in the ECAC final and that got us into our first NCAA bid where we played Louisville who um was a very good team uh at that point in time I think they went to the final four and got beaten in overtime but uh that year and uh, we actually played Louisville extremely tough I still remember in Campbell Hall watching that game on television uh my freshman year and being so excited because we played them a terrific first half but uh, they, we ran out of steam uh, in the second half. and uh, But then that gave us all tremendous anticipation for the 75-76 year coming off that first NCAA bid. And i got to tell you, the 75-76 year was, was just magic. You know, we had Phil, we had uh, Davney, Mike Davney, and then um, Eddie Jordan obviously was established. And then we needed a big man. And that's when uh, James Bailey was a freshman, and uh, after five or six games, he started, and that really solidified the team. Hollis Copeland also was a sophomore, and uh, we had a fellow Abdul Anderson who was the sixth man. And that team, as all of you know, went 26 and 0. Same situation, we had to play in the ECAC championship, and that year, I think we there were two bids available, and it was Rutgers St. John's. The winner of that game was going to have a fairly, well, an easier route in the NCAAs. The loser of that game had to go to Ohio and play Indiana, who were the eventual national champions. They were undefeated. They finished undefeated. And it's a famous team that I think ended up 31-0 and that year. They were in the Final Four. We didn't play them, though. So the loser goes to Indiana. The winner has a much easier trip on the East Coast. And um we, uh Phil Sellers just said, give me the ball. Last five minutes of the game, it was a St. John's. Their star was a guy by the name of Beaver Smith. And Phil just said, give me the ball. And basically he took Beaver Smith, I think, three or four times, one-on-one in a very tight game and scored baskets each time. And Rutgers ended up winning by three points. That was our second NCAA bid after winning that game. And obviously that took us to the, the NCAA is where we made it to the final four. So those are some of my initial thoughts.
0: Hey Arnie, Dylan Allen, thanks again for joining us. Um, I'm a Fourth year at WRSU. I've been broadcasting games since my sophomore year, late freshman year, and there's definitely a lot of highs and lows. Now, for you, kind of from a broadcaster perspective, what are some games or some some big moments, maybe in games that really resonate with you at your, you know, at at the height of this team and when you were doing work for RSU covering f- covering that '76 team? What are some moments that resonate
1: with you? Well, well, uh, you know, the highlight there are two, two highlights for me, and I'll tell the second the, the lower one first. Is my the first game I think I broadcast that year was Rutgers Seton Hall at the barn at the College Avenue gym and that was I believe the, the I, I made a comment that James Bailey will be starting soon Rutgers just blew out the hall it was uh the hall wasn't the hall those days way before the big east well, a few years before the big east and uh, we just blew them out and that was sort of Bailey's coming out party and we just ran up and down the court it was hard to believe the way we ran I remember we beat Pitt at the barn that year, about 100 to 70 or 60. And it was like a fast break show. And the funny part about it is that year there was no dunking allowed. I think the next year they allowed dunking. Uh, NCAA had these weird rules. But, you know, Rutgers was just an unbelievably fast team and could just steal the ball and just up and down the court. But, you know, the highlight, and I was very fortunate to broadcast, and I I was the play-by-play man for the second half, Of the Rutgers-St. Bonaventure game, which was held March 1st, 1976, hard to believe it's, you know, coming up on 50 years in a few years, and and that game was an unbelievable night. We were going for the 26-0 undefeated regular season. As I said, broadcasting that second half, we were down seven points. St. Bonaventure had a very fine team. We're down seven points with about seven eight minutes left. And, again, Phil and the whole team just let us back. We ended up winning the game 85-80, a very famous game. Uh, and it's unbelievable. That that game today would have sold out a 20,000-seat arena. Uh, in those days, that was held at the 2,800-seat uh, barn, in College Avenue Gym. And uh, there was absolutely no place to sit that night. Uh, There was probably over 3,000 people, and people were sitting on the floor everywhere. And you you never heard a crowd that loud. It was so exciting. And, you know, Phil was there. He was the man, he was the leader. There was no question about it. He um, was the star. He wanted the ball, he played defense. Uh, He was really, you know, such a tremendous asset to the team and to the university at that time. And it was really Rutgers' first foray into big-time sports, considering, you know, our first Final Four appearance that year.
0: Uh, Hi, Arnie. I'm Matt. Thank you for joining us. So, obviously, broadcasting uh, Phil and this team, you have so many memories, but what are some things about Phil's playstyle that stood out to you that you've seen on the court?
1: Phil's, excuse me, what was the comment?
0: What were some uh of like his uh some stuff about him that uh, he played on the court that stood out to you, some of like his like, you know Oh well he was aspects. a great rebounder,
1: he was a very good defensive player. He was the the problem with Phil is he was six four. He was six four and he played a lot with his back to his bad, to the basket. In college game it's not an issue, okay? And that's why he really never made it in professional basketball because he was you know, he was too small to be a forward in the NBA and he didn't really have the guard skills to play in the NBA. But it was really, he was an intense, intense player. Tremendous defense, shot blocker, rebounder. I think he averaged 10 rebounds a game his senior year, which was 75-76. And, uh, you know, he, he had a full presence. You know, he wasn't just a shooter. He was he, 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 or a scorer. And, he, you know, he could shoot. He could play inside. Very versatile player. Good defensive player. Excellent rebounder which just means an all around great college player 2399 points there's a lot of points in four years and he still is the all time Rutgers leading scorer
0: Uh, um, Hi Arnie Um, I'm Arnav Um, also part of WRSU Uh, obviously you mentioned already that you know so many of the different calls that you you had calling Phil Sellers in the 1976 team but is there a particular one that stands out that was your absolute favorite?
1: Um. Yeah, I I mean, I would just say that St. Bonaventure's second half, just calling the entire team and Phil being the key part of that, uh, it was an unbelievable environment. And anybody who was there that night, which, as I said, is 47 years ago, will will tell you that that was just an incredible and uh, incredible night. And I think if you go on YouTube, actually, there's a tape of that game. And I know that some of the RSU guys at one point in time um, dubbed my play by play over the tape and and it was funny you know talking about it just to give you a little history those games there was no espn there was no nothing in those days those games were broadcast uh in new jersey on public television which was something that was called uhf it was like channel 50 it was there was no cable tv those days really to speak of and um you really had to look hard, and those games were very popular. But, again, they were just broadcast on, I guess they still have, they have now the New Jersey Channel, and that's where those games were broadcast. They were just in the state. There was no national TV, really, uh, until you got to the NCAAs. So, uh, but, uh, it it's just the whole, yeah, I mean, it was um, a game against Manhattan where uh, Eddie Jordan didn't play uh for most of the game he had an issue he couldn't play and uh phil sellers actually was you know had to take extra uh you know had to do extra uh, positive things that game because you know the second third best player on the team wasn't there and uh, that game actually went to overtime when we pulled it out you know talking about and and i'm still friendly with some of the other rsu people from those days and you know those were the, the the highlights of uh of Rutgers sports in those days where so the football team was very good too. We were, um, had an undefeated season that year also, and, uh, no ball game because it was just, it's a different time. And we played lower level teams, but, um, Phil was something else. And, you know, he was a nice guy too. He was good with the press. Uh, the story is, you know, he almost went to Notre Dame and he was recruited, believe it or not, by a person, you know, and that being Dick Vitale. And Dick Vitale was able to, uh, Steer him to Rutgers. I think the story is that he was somewhat afraid of the academics at Notre Dame and, you know, wanted to be closer to his mother in Brooklyn. And Dick Dick Vitale got it done. But uh, just a a tremendous asset to the university.
0: Hey, Arnie, it's Tyler here. Uh, Well, first of all, I think we would all love to see Rutgers basketball and football have an undefeated season the same year. uh, Sooner than later. (laughs) But I just have a question because you're talking a lot about all these individual games. And in the past few seasons, Rutgers basketball has had some of those really good seasons with mm-hmm. magical games, obviously, that Ron Hopper shot against Purdue. But yeah. just what was the emotion like as a fan, as a broadcaster throughout the whole season just watching this team rack up the wins after win after win, whether they had blowouts or close games, and then obviously that magical run in the Final Four?
1: Yeah, um... It was, it was just building. You know, You knew, as I said, the NCAA, the preceding year, playing Louisville tough, coming into the next year, I remember we had a, two games at the Garden early in the year. And believe it or not, Rutgers would play a doubleheader at the Garden. It would be fifteen sixteen thousand 16,000 people. And this is December of 75. I think we played Penn and we played Purdue early in the year at both garden games. I remember going into the city because it was easy from New Bride and broadcast those games. But I remember taking the train into the city and, you know, it ended up right below, right upstairs, and you're at the game. It was very convenient. And we won both of those games. You know, close games, five, six-point games. And, you know, beating uh, those teams obviously gave you a, a positive outlook for the rest of the season. And then, you know, there, we were, that was the last year, I believe, we weren't in a conference. I believe we joined, uh, what was, what eventually became the Atlantic Eight or whatever, the Eastern Eight, uh, which I think is now the AAC if you go 45 years to the future. But anyway, um, it just built after that. And then there was a very famous game in Princeton where Princeton had a very, very good team. The game was at Jadwin. It was sold out. Uh, Rutgers won the game by, I think, seven or eight points. And there was a famous, uh, a play in the game, it involved Mike Dabney where Princeton, there was no clock then, so you could just hold on to the ball and Princeton, the game was very close and they wanted to bring it down to the end and Princeton had held the ball for probably three, four minutes believe it or not, without taking a shot and Mike Dabney stole the ball got a layup and that really propelled Rutgers to winning so that, you know Really got us, and then we had that St. Bonaventure game, which was close. We then went into the uh, ECAC, the great game against St. John's at the Garden, where I talked about the Phil Sellers-Beaver-Smith matchup. And I don't know if you guys know, the first round of the NCAAs that year, we played in Providence, and we drove up to Providence that day, and uh, it was a Saturday, I remember. The the tournament was only about 32 teams then. only You had to win, I think, five games. (laughs) And um, that game we played Princeton, famous game. We won by one point. And Phil again was instrumental in that game. But the funny part about that game is, is that Rutgers fouled a fellow by the name of Pete Malloy on Princeton with four seconds left. And Pete Malloy had a one on one and one foul shot with four seconds left. If he makes the two foul shots, there goes Rutgers' undefeated season. Rutgers is knocked out in the first round of the NCAA's. Very fortunately, uh, Pete Malloy missed the shot. We all had a long ride back to New Brunswick, very happy, because Rutgers ended up winning the game by one point. And then we went down to North Carolina. Uh, Phil had two great games. We beat Connecticut in the next round. And then in the Eastern Regional Finals, we beat the uh, Virginia Military, I believe. And that got us to Philadelphia, and it was great. I mean, that was a great anticipation that week. The only problem is it was spring break, so nobody was really on campus that week before the Final Four. But uh, going to Philadelphia, just a, a just an unbelievable scene to see Rutgers in the Final Four. The first round, we played Michigan. Unfortunately, it was our worst game of the year. We lost 86-70, to 70, and uh, we just played awful. It was, you know, you have a bad day. That was Rutgers' bad day. We just... Nobody had it. Phil didn't have it. Hollis uh, Copeland didn't have it. Jordan didn't have it. Just, just awful. But uh, you know, it, it was a thirty-one and two. It that, that time there was a semifinal. The the it was a consolation game, and we ended up losing to UCLA by I think fourteen points. But it was a very competitive game. So thirty-one and two, and then we went on from there. And uh, you know, that really was the beginning of uh, Rutgers basketball. We had our highs and lows since then. But I think now you guys are lucky being in school because I think we're on a high. And, uh, if we can close out on some of these recruits in the next year, we'll really be on a high. But, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that it's 45, 47, 48 years ago this all happened. You know, you try to, you try to think where's all the time gone. And, you know, Phil was always there. And I remember about a year or two ago, I was at a game at the, at the, uh, at the rack and Phil was sitting about, uh, five six rows behind me and we nodded to each other and you know um he always was involved in the alumni things coming to the annual or you know the reunions of the team and he was you know stayed in jersey lived in jersey after his one year nba career and it's just a shame you know 69 is too young much too young
0: Artie, last question for you. You know, all of us here at WRSU, we talk to athletes. We have great conversations with them. We, you know, are able to have them on shows like the crew, like this one here. When it comes to Phil Sellers, the person, what was it like talking to him, interviewing him, being able to get to know him more on a one-on-one basis?
1: Yeah, I didn't spend that much time with Phil, but just from people and and the interaction I had myself. You know, he was humble he was quiet. He wasn't a, he, he let his talking be done on the court, not on the microphone. You know, he was a soft-spoken person, not boisterous. You know, you asked him a question, he got a square answer, but he really let his talking, you know, uh, uh, on the court. You know, he came from a, you know, from from the projects in New York City, in, from Brooklyn, from Bed-Stuy, uh, so, or maybe from Brownsville. But he, you know, he he came to Rutgers. He grew as a man. He he really became a soft-spoken athlete. That, as I said, let his you know he he, he talked on the court, not on the microphone.
0: Arnie Kaplan joining us here on the crew as we honor Paul Sellers, the le- the legendary basketball player who did pass away today at the age of sixty-nine. Arnie called many games during that seventy-six Final Four team run. And he told us so much great stories and all these many moments he had covering Phil the Thrill Sellers and Rutgers men's basketball during that historic campaign. Arnie, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks again for coming on the program to talk about Phil Sellers.
1: Uh, My pleasure. Thanks, guys, for having me.